0: Nobody can
1: Swatch. Hey, how come Andrew gets to get up? That's right. If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. And what's it gonna do? It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Bueller. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean?
0: Hello and welcome to Living in the 80s. I'm Rob and I'm very happy you all joined us today. I have a very special guest. So you guys maybe have heard me drop the name John Noss a couple times. Faithful listener, he's a co-worker and um, he he will do a lot of stuff when he's he's doing his yard work. So again, we're co-workers, we talk very regularly, haven't seen each other since pre-COVID because of the way our employer kind of has positioned <laughs> yes. itself, that our employer, that we shall remain nameless. Yes. No mention. Um, no mention. <laughs> no mention. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, John, a uh, very faithful listener, and we were talking. I'm like, i have to have you on the podcast sometime. And then knowing the topic he would pick would be sports-related. So, John, Absolutely. welcome
1: to the show. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate it. I, uh, I feel like I'm sitting in a very special chair here. I've, I've listened to a lot of great moments out there on the lawnmower that have happened in here. This is a very big moment for yes. me. Yes, a lot, a lot of greats have sat <laughs> yes. where you're sitting right now. It feels, feels special, so thank you for having me. It's so exciting. Anytime.
0: Anytime. So, uh, we're, before we get into today's topic, just uh, again, thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook, on our Living in the 80s page, which is you know, over 1,300 people at this point, so we're very happy that people wow. actually are part of the magic. So thank you, thank you. Uh, check us out on our website at livinginthe80s.us, and you can check us out on our um, uh, podcast outlet outlets. So you can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, about a dozen or so others, you found us somehow, right? So you already done your things. So we, we have to, we have to help them pay their bills.
1: I've been with you since episode two, so I feel like one of the original listeners. Do you have pins for that yet?
0: Um, I yeah, there's a whole bucket of pins. <laughs> <I'll> Thank you, <laughs> ink pens, right there. <laughs> so, um, uh, also want to remind you that we are on Star 107.9 and Roundtown Radio. You can hear this podcast. And coming the first of September, I will be. <laughs> Doing my own countdown show, so that'll be universal and worldwide. So, uh, very happy and excited about that. We'll give you details as they become available. So, John, we're here today to talk football. Oh,
1: man. I'm so excited. It's almost here.
0: (laughs) It's odd. So, like, first, my personal journey. Yes. I've been a football fan since I was a kid. Uh, I pay, played Pee peewee football and I didn't know that. You I, played peewee football? Wee football. Oh man, what did you play? When, what I was a Is there positions in peewee football? There are positions. I was a linebacker. Oh dang. Right. And and I was a I was a guard. Oh. Which was funny cuz I was a very small kid. But you know, every plays is a handoff to the running back anyway. So as long as he goes over the side where the bigger kids are, I'm just, I'm just eye candy. Yes. So I started doing that. Never played any organized football after that. I Regrettably, I should have. Uh, I, was, I was a little undersized when I was younger, so I was afraid to get crushed. I wish now That's I would have just taken that chance. That's fair. So Life's full of regrets. That's mine. I didn't play football. <laughs> but I've always been a huge fan. Mm-hmm. I always would play backyard football with the guys in the neighborhood. Even as an adult, I still played flag football and just loved it. Mm-hmm. And so being a fan just about my whole life, uh, the 80s, I remember very fondly. Because mm-hmm. uh, late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. I collected football cards, traded them with the kids in the neighborhood, and uh, like those, I I couldn't wait for the weekend so I can watch football all weekend. And some of those things haven't changed. you still got the cards? No, I sold oh, them. Man. I sold them with my baseball cards, all in like a, a lot, just all together. And man. I got probably ten percent what I should have got. <laughs> so uh, <dumb>. again, another <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it flash. I'm it, sorry, it, yeah, it, <laughs> it was like it was like the late eighties by that time, and it was gas money. That's fair. So yeah. I got you. Yeah. So, what about you? Tell us about your your fandom.
1: So I have the weird title of uh, Detroit, Michigan Buckeye. Yes, uh, I do tell. Yes, I grew up in uh, a suburb of Detroit, Michigan, um, but to two parents who came from Ohio. I was born in Ohio. Um, both Michigan and Ohio very uh, depressed professional football states they yes. both have difficulty getting through the fall season in professional football so really i was a buckeye and yeah. um always been a buckeye did
0: you ever get any grief back home like oh yeah or your wolverine yeah. fan yeah. yeah
1: yeah i lived right down the street from the big house too yeah oh
0: geez. it
1: was awesome i i say <laughs> living in michigan as a buckeye is almost more fun than living in columbus as a buckeye because you especially when they're good
0: you're you're like the bad guy in yeah. wrestling, like when Hulk Hogan yeah. joined the NWO. The yeah, yeah, you're the heel. You're like just people throwing garbage and, <laughs> and stale produce at you. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. It
1: was it was incredible. It nice. was fun. Um, and really, my childhood, uh, my professional team, and still is today, is the Cleveland Browns. Again, great. troubled franchise history. At one point, they were not even a team. Yes. And um, my father who lived through the infamous moments like Red Rite 88 and, you know... uh, The Drive. The Drive, which we'll talk a little bit about. Yes. (laughs) Um, Kind of made some tepid fans out of us. Right. But what really drove me into the NFL was because I would see these, you know, college players, because I really got into college football. I love college football. Me too. And I'd see these guys come out of college, and it would be um, incredible to watch the number one pick, come out and have a mediocre season. Then you'd have the 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 you know the pick round five come mm-hmm. out there and, I mean, just light yeah. it up. You see un, and, undrafted yeah. Tom Brady. Yes. Come and yeah. become. From Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's actually
0: from California. <laughs> yes. But so.
1: they claim him like he grew up in Kalamazoo. Yeah. Uh, it's, and and, and it's like weird. he had a great college yeah. career yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> he won he one didn't. Rose Bowl. It's a whole thing. Trust <laughs> That's <me>. right. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's. It, it was fascinating to me to kind of see that because I always love the underdog. Like, I do like Tom Brady for that because he went so far down. It was yeah. just a it was a leap of faith.
0: And if he didn't win so much, he'd be pretty likable. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And if, yeah. He's got tough. a
0: supermodel wife and all this yeah. money and his cars. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I became more, you know, obviously Cleveland's my team, but I became more of a fan of the NFL in general. Right. Just because I liked following uh the sport in general sure. and, and following uh, my first professional sports game was a Cleveland Browns game. Sure. So it was right towards, as the NFL was becoming the predominant sport, you know, right. baseball was waning. You had the end of the steroid era where things were starting to get a little messy with baseball and, and the NFL, I mean, they were ready to swoop in and with these big names of big stars, oh, they and, did too. And the and
0: marketing that, arm of the NFL is amazing.
1: I, looking into nfl films and just how they drilled money and time and energy into this idea of creating these like modern day titans these like these muscle men it was a muddy day in green
0: bay and you got that music going
1: behind it i mean that that that's a cultural phenomenon and it is that's what drove me in and i'm a stats guy i'm a nerd guy i like you know going in and seeing these things in, in the nfl uh always drew me in like that. So right. when you got a fandom like Cleveland where you're, you're done watching by November, you know, you might as well watch the whole league. Yes. <laughs> they, they, gotta. And and that's kind of what brought me into that. And you go to Detroit and you can't watch there either. So, yeah. <laughs> so
0: the, one of the, the very cool things, cause I, John and I have worked together for probably three or four years now yeah. when we early on, you know, as you, as you get these, these people that you work with you kind of get to know them a little bit get to Mm -hmm. know their personality and so forth so early on john had told me that he is a detroit tigers fan baseball team and he began to tell me how he listens to their sports talk show every day i'm like this guy is not just a novice fan this guy knows what he's doing so a lot of our conversations have gone around sports and fantasy Mm -hmm. football and things like that so we're gonna we're gonna talk all football today. Yeah. So uh, we will be right back. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go through. First thing we're gonna do is we're gonna go through your list of who you picked as the uh, your favorite NFL players of the '80s. But before we get to all of that, uh, it, it's so weird with COVID happening because mm-hmm. right now is the time that I am watching crappy preseason games oh yeah i am i am ready like getting all my fantasy football stuff together and like last night i did my first fantasy draft and it was terrible like i i i I picked my first i had the seventh pick and i picked derrick henry like i I typically go running back first and he was like the best of what was left but in hindsight i probably should have went nick chubb but i didn't so anyhow it being such an odd season, here's something I need to talk about and get off my chest. Uh-oh. I am angry that there is no Big Ten football. Oh
1: boy, don't. You want to do this? Let's do this. Because <laughs> there is, listen, I am aware and I am very uh, cognizant of the, the, the whole uh, situation in the world right now. I watched two games this morning before I went into work. I watched both 2018 and 2019 Ohio State-Michigan games, and I had the same reaction that I did that day. I mean, my father and me, every year, sit down and watch that game. It's like a moment. Right. And I thought about that, and I was like, first of all, that's going to happen in October, which just doesn't feel right. Right. But secondly, it just feels like a little bit of it's being taken away, and it's like everything's taken away. It's it does baseball's sixty games. There is the designated hitter in both leagues. Nothing feels right. No, I, and, and, oh, and, no, no
0: fans in the stands. No that and, piped in fan uh, crowd noise, <laughs> and which I usually can block out, but sometimes it annoys me. I've told
1: this story, and I know we're talking NFL, but the number one most incredible live thing I've ever been at. Last year, my wife and I, with a uh, couple of members of our family, went to the last game, the Penn State, last home game, Penn State-Ohio oh, State.
0: Oh, nice.
1: A college football game when there is something on the line, sleeting, hailing, and, man, the place is just rocking. There's nothing like it. Right. I, can't imma- I can imagine baseball, because spring training, you know, it's not quite the same. Right. Preseason football is the same thing. I cannot imagine college football coming back with – no fans. Um,
0: the, the tailgating experience, the tailgate, like ESPN feels, game yeah. days out there, Fox's oh, big shows yeah, out all there. All three of them were out there. Yeah, they're, everybody's there, and it just it was
1: incredible. Yeah. And and it just it's like, and I'm like, do I want it back?
0: No. Oh.
1: No, no, I mean like, do I want it back without fans? Oh, because I I don't want it back without fans.
0: I, I do. I, I want to see you the guys You take it back without fans. Yes, I want to see the guys play hmm. because. That, yes, that would be missing an element of the game. But the fact that they're playing the game and, and the Buckeyes, you know, those of you listening around the country, around the world, um, I, I'm a huge... The Ohio State Buckeyes football team is my favorite sports team. More than the 49ers, more than the Reds, more than the Blue Jackets. It is Ohio State Buckeyes football They're 1A team. for me. Yeah. And, and they... Them... They have so much, such a promising potential year. So much they can do. I I can accept the fact that there's no fans. I can accept the fact there's no tailgating. And some of that experience is not there. But I'm going to watch football. Yeah. I don't want to watch Ole Miss playing Vanderbilt. I don't want to to watch Pitt playing Boston College. I don't want to watch Baylor playing TCU. Uh, oh, that one, that might be frogs, kind of man. interesting. I love DTO. <laughs> that might be a little interesting, but it, it's I, I want I want football. And, yeah, and I get it. It's I, not the full experience, but, but if, nothing is. If right those now. Yeah. if those people down south can play football, we should be able <laughs> to play football. The NFL's playing today. Our governor said, "High school football, you can yeah. play if you want to." Yep, they no, did. And did. so, if high schools can play with with a lot less. Medical personnel available with a lot less um, ability to test the players and things like that. Why in the world can't these these universities with these multi-bazillion dollar TV contracts and all this money they have to sink into the program and the health care and the well-being of the players, why in the world can't they be playing?
1: And those of you who don't live inside Ohio, our quarterback who transferred in and we've adopted the
0: uh, field. He's one of ours now. He's
1: one of ours. started a petition that he wants to play this year.
0: And they had a quarter million people in one day. And
1: you know what? I was one of them. (laughs) You might have talked me into it.
0: You might. Power of persuasion.
1: This is polite discourse. This is what that sounds like. Yes. I I think you might have talked me into it because I just had a hard time Because college football is that one thing, man. It's about the pageantry. It it, it is just, the band goes out there. It is just, there's something different about it. But man, it's going to stink. And and, and they already got the schedule screwed up. The schedule looks atrocious. I I mean, like I said, Michigan's being played before Halloween. Yeah. Which just means that... That that, that should still be the last game no matter Uh, what. No matter what,
0: that should be the last game. Whether that last game is November 1st or December 1st, that needs to be the last game. But, uh, you know what? At this point, I'll take it. Yeah. Like okay, I, so might, yeah. so the question is, if if Ohio State is playing Penn State and they're both undefeated, and the game's thirty five thirty one, with three minutes to go, Buckeyes are down, driving down the field. You mean you tell me you wouldn't watch that? Oh, absolutely. There no, absolutely. Go. <laughs> no, that's what I said. I said you're, I'm on
1: board with you. I yep. because I still watching. A YouTube clip of a game. I know the result to. I watched the Penn State game where they were down by I yeah. think fifteen with the fourth quarter. What was that? Two years ago. Yeah. That was the gray out and game. They,
0: and they came out. And, and they
1: came out. And it was J, uh, JT Barrett. I think it was who that mm-hmm. was. I still get the same reaction mm-hmm. because football for America is just. It's a different. It hits differently for some reason when when those moments happen. And I think you're yep. right. I would tune in. Yeah. If I knew that was happening, I would tune in. Yep. And ah, man, it's just the whole thing screwed up. I'm just I'm and like I said, I enjoy watching Michigan. If I could watch Michigan lose on a loop for the rest of my life, every <laughs> hour of every day, watching Jim Harbaugh with that sad look on his face after, you know, he came to you in, in San Francisco and, and, you know... You
0: know, I was happy to see him go. I, I was happy when he came from Stanford. Very promising. Got him to a Super Bowl. Yeah. But for some reason, he it decided says, Kaepernick should be in there instead of Alex Smith. I wore my khakis for that. <laughs> so you could, who, you could feel it. Who who would have... I think Alex Smith had a better chance of winning that Super Bowl than Colin Kaepernick did. Down... Uh, never mind. I can go on and on yeah. about that all day. But... Um, I could watch him lose all day. Yes, I could too. And so... I, I saw something today. A friend of mine posted that uh, a Big Ten insider said the feeling within the ranks is we screwed this up. They acted quick. Yeah, they're the first conference to do it. Well, they, I think they thought everyone else was going to jump on board if they did. The but PAC, that's typical- PAC Twelve. They're a bunch of sushi eating, Starbucks. Okay, drinking, USC's.
1: Whatever. Let's talk about living in the eighties. Let's talk about <laughs> USC, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. The Big Ten, that's typical Big Ten. They yeah. think that they are, which they are, they still have the standard-bearing yeah. teams, but, I mean, like, nobody in the SEC cares if Purdue's playing football this year. Let's nope. be honest. And nope. <laughs> and <laughs> let's be honest, those people <laughs> in Big Ten don't care <laughs> if, if Purdue's playing, playing football. football. They want to see and Ohio
0: State, Michigan, Wisconsin. Penn State Penn every other Penn State,
1: year. Iowa. yeah. Yeah. And so I don't think that they realized that they didn't have the cachet that they thought they did to come out and say we're not playing football this year and then you know the Big 12 goes, "Yes sir, we're coming right behind you." And
0: the SEC SECs like there ain't no way. We're oh, yeah. we're well, that's we're in, a whole thing. Then, then the thing. ACC's like well, we'll do what they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the ACC has garbage. nothing, yeah. And, they they've got Clemson and nothing.
1: And I really do think too that um my unpopular opinion, and it's been a popular opinion for a while, is that the Big Ten needs to go expanding into Big 12 territory anyways. And I think they were trying to sniff out, seeing if Oklahoma or Texas would would opt out of the season two and yeah. then they could start talking about... Because Oklahoma and Texas are kind of sitting by themselves out there in Big 12 country, yeah. and I think Big Ten's always had them kind of on their radar ever since Notre Dame fell off the face of the earth. Yeah.
0: I was kind of hoping when they expanded and added... Um,
1: Nebraska.
0: No, uh, oh. Nebraska's fine. Um, when they added Rutgers and uh, Maryland, I thought, you know, this would be a great time for somebody like Missouri to come mm-hmm. aboard geographically makes sense. I would have taken West Virginia. Those would have been two great additions to the... It's a great place to watch football. But public. a lot yeah. of it, I guess a lot of it is uh, based upon academic standards and things like that. So there's very. I, I did air like, quotes. Sorry. That yeah. Kids that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but you know the, the the standards there are they're part of some kind of council society whatever. It's
1: the academic excellence council or something. Yes, yeah, so and, and
0: a lot of those schools um, don't live up to the that that criteria. So anyway, I, I digress. But yeah. but yeah, it's uh, I, I, I'm just ready. I'm ready.
1: Yeah, and I think so. it's tough because. You know, we're going to talk about like NFL guys, and and, mm-hmm. and when I'm thinking about this once in a century situation that we're in, and how you no, know, I I would have no idea how this would play out. You know, how many? You know, you got your Justin Fields, you got these once these talents that are coming through here. Mm-hmm. What this is doing to the NFL stream of talent? What this is doing? Right. I mean, this is. Like I said, it's once Re- in. What about century. recruiting?
0: Yeah, like, they're not on. going on
1: recruiting trips.
0: Yeah, well, well yeah, not only that, but these yeah. kids that are thinking Ohio State are going. Geez, the first time a flu bug hits, they're going to cancel a yeah. season.
1: And, so and
0: they already had a couple transfer out. So
1: yeah, uh, so. I'm, I'm. I think you talked me into it. Okay, I, okay. I'm impressed. Yeah. I
0: was I folded real easily there. As you did. <laughs> Next in living in the '80s, John decides he's voting for Donald Trump. <laughs> So if you know John at all, that that'll never happen. Yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> so, alright, so we'll be right back after this talking 80s NFL.
1: Welcome to the NFL.
0: There's nothing like being in the NFL. So get in the action. Come on, get into it. Now you're in the NFL when you get into the NFL Pro Line. Because now with the NFL Pro Line you can get the real thing. The same equipment Mike Ditkin and all the rest of the NFL coaches use. The tools of the tray. Coaches shirts and shorts by bike. Coaches cap by sports specialty. Same one I wear. Sweater uh, by see. Cliff Engel. That's my sweater. On, and the starter jacket, custom tailored, custom design. It's a new coach. You could be next. Look for the authentic NFL Pro Line. Okay. Get into it! NFL Pro Line. Get into it. For your NFL Pro-Line catalog, send $1 with your name and address to 6921 Preston Road, Dallas, Texas, 75205. NFL Pro-Line, get into it. So we are back, and we are going to get on with this list, this much-anticipated list. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to name the, the, the first few here that... Um, didn't quite make the top ten. We'll kind of talk about them a little bit. Some a little more than others. But um, when you hear the results here, some of them might be some head scratchers. I like, was very surprised. Yes. <laughs> like uh, like this this last one received one vote because it must be um, Ed Pollack voted for Fred Marion. It must be his, his relative or something. Played for the Patriots. Played for the Patriots. He's a defensive back. Made the Pro Bowl one year. That's all we know. I had to actually look him up I could, to see who he not on,
1: was. His picture's not on fo- Pro Football Reference. No, it's So I don't not? even know who he looks like, but, so I'm sorry. But, you know, <laughs> hey, good for him.
0: These other guys, everybody else on this list you've probably heard of. So uh, uh, the next one's Lawrence Taylor. Everybody remembers Lawrence Taylor. Hopefully not just for the excessive drug use. Oh, boy. He was a phenomenal <laughs> yeah. player. Yeah. um uh, played for the giants uh they won a couple super bowls with him two bowl on that defense he was he was a beast
1: he he was a ten time pro bowler um m v p which yeah. in you know as we dig a little deeper into the eighties one of the biggest things about the 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 era is just how many of those um non quarterback Players got MVP awards. It's, yeah, it's much more common in the '80s for that award to go to a non-quarterback.
0: Yeah, which, which a wide is, receiver or yep. running back. Yeah, quarterbacks still got it, but yeah, it's seeing defensive guys get it. But Lawrence Taylor was was yeah. was awesome. My my one Lawrence Taylor memory that I remember more than any other is when Joe Theismann broke his leg, and Lawrence Taylor. They were playing the Giants. Redskins were playing the Giants. If you guys haven't seen it and you have and you don't have a weak stomach, just YouTube Joe Theisman leg. And it is one of the ugliest breaks you've ever seen. And Lawrence Taylor is he is signaling to the Redskins bench to come out and he is like jumping up and down frantic and it's like he looked like a panicky kid that just saw a car accident. Mm-hmm. He was just beside himself so that out of all of his great accolades that's the one thing i remember the most
1: and that comes up like when 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 you look at him as a player that comes up almost as much as him being in the hall of fame yes that one moment and which is sad because he has a pretty distinguished career and he was defensive player of the year you know rookie of the year and that's what you're remembered for is that one moment and boy i you know First of all, I was surprised too. He's was only two hundred thirty-seven pounds. He's a linebacker. I mean, that's that's small now by 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 yeah. That's kind of modern-day standards. And but man, players are
0: a lot bigger now than they were back then.
1: Dominating, Yeah. Uh, and the New York the, Giants had a wicked defense. I mean, we're going to talk about some other defenses because the '80s were dominated by it. But they yeah. uh, he fit in really well with yes. their defensive scheme, especially. Um, in eighty one through about eighty six was kind
0: of where he hit his stride. Right. And speaking of defense, our next guy, Howie Long. Boy, Howie Long. <laughs> he, I, he was he was he, he was a
1: beast too. Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of people, I guess, now know him. He's more of a television personality. He's, yes. he's kind of taken over. He's one of those. We were talking about a couple other guys who were like that. He actually was a very impressive player in and of its own right, too. He had
0: a couple sons Mm play in the NFL. I mean, he's...
1: Um, He won Super Bowl, um, but eight-time Pro Bowler. So, I mean, he was... And uh, he, again, now that he was 268 pounds, so, I mean, again, that's... He was... A little bigger. Big... um, uh, When they were in Oakland by that time, but Oakland Raiders, and that is one of the defenses that... I'll highlight a little bit more as we sure. go forward because they, they were a staunch defense of the 80s, but um, he really stood out, especially in a line that was already uh, stellar. Yes. Um, and then kind of turned that stardom into a pretty impressive TV career. He's mm-hmm. uh, done well for himself, so...
0: Yep. Uh, our next guy, um, Jim Kelly.
1: This, this one surprised me a bit.
0: My, 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 my friend... Jim Yachtrock Lawler is, is the one who put him up. Jim's a big uh, Buffalo Bills fan, but he's he's right. Jim Kelly was a stud,
1: and I—that's my fault because Jim Kelly to me, and he always stood for the four falls Losing of Buffalo four Super. Bowls. Sorry about that, uh, Mister Lawler, but um, he it always stood out as a, as a '90s character. You know, that was early '90s when the Buffalo Bills were who we knew them as back then but really if we're looking at 80s players he was a very he was selected to pro bowl twice mm-hmm. in the 80s um he went 12 and 4 in, in 88 and had a completion rate of almost uh 60 which his career high was 64 percent. that was only a couple of years later so i mean he was a very high level 80s player oh yeah um he just reached his zenith right at the beginning of the '90s, which is where I was associating with him incorrectly. Yeah. Um, but I always liked Jim Kelly. He was always a very personal guy. Every I had that gecko haircut. Yeah, and yeah slick that's back the picture thing, but, I'm seeing of him yeah. with the tur- uh, little Bills turtleneck. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I always liked him. I always wish he got a better shake because by the end of the by that fourth Super Bowl, man, the Buffalo Bills were just they were disliked. People just were tired of seeing them in the Super yeah. Bowl. They didn't
0: want to see them lose again. I'll, I'll tell you what, man. I was pulling for him on those Super Bowls. Yeah. I, and I think, as I look back, I think every one of those Super Bowls I was pulling for the Bills to win. To finally win. you got Like Jim Kelly and Andre Reed and Bruce <laughs> mm-hmm. Smith and then Marv Levy being the coach. It's like, these were all pretty likable guys yeah oh, and, yeah and to see them get up there every year Ugh. and lose it's like oh my goodness and it was always oh, and it'd be it one thing right. if he was like a
1: you know one of those quarterbacks with like a like a cocky attitude yeah, man. yeah yeah <laughs> but no he was just he's a family guy he was likable he had some good health christian issues, guy health issues later down the Wa- road watch,
0: watching him gracefully go through his his uh sickness over the last yeah. several years he, I mean, he done it with a lot of grace and mm. and it's just he really endeared himself to a lot of people that even people that maybe don't remember him as much as a player because I mean he retired in ninety six. That's twenty four years ago. I, I could not believe I it. I know, it's, it's just, just like, <laughs> like oh, did that really twenty four thing? years ago? So it, a lot of the people that are that are sports fans now don't know him as a player. They just know him as this guy. But, you know, what a great testimony he's had um uh, and how he, like I said, how gracefully he handled that. So, yeah, good for Jim Kelly. Um, I think he deserves a much higher ranking on our list. One Super Bowl would have gotten him it would have, right to the top. Yes, yeah, speaking of top. which, this uh, guy, this next guy um, lost some Super Bowls in the 80s, too. He is uh, one of your favorites Mister to, ha- to hate. <laughs> John Elway! Ah, oh, he is the, Number seven,
1: Mr. Ed. He is the... Um, one of the bane's of the Cleveland psyche, um, <laughs> yes. the drive—it uh, it hurts uh, when you think about it. But I was actually surprised at how far down he was on this list.
0: Um, well, you know, you got to think though—the uh, people voting here. Um, again, we're we're based out of Ohio, so mm-hmm. I know a lot of my friends. Probably, well, you know, it's funny. Probably only about a, a third of the people. On this list are people that I know personally, uh, you know, in our group of the, you know, 1300. But uh, I know a lot of people around here despise him and they don't want to think of him on any best of any list. <laughs> so they.
1: I was going to say, are they. I thought you were going to say a third of them are Browns fans, and I was going to say that that's the only amount that'll admit that because it's yes. not a very popular <laughs> thing to be. Um, but I mean, so John Elway, I'll talk a little bit about him later, made my uh part of my all decade list for the 80s because as much as i dislike him for what he did he was one of the most prolific quarterbacks in terms of just uh completion percentage uh yards thrown i mean he was averaging over you know 20 touchdowns a season um i think it was like almost 60 to 70 percent of his of his career i mean he yeah. was even when he went 5 and 11 he had 15 touch. i mean he was he was really dominant he stayed mm-hmm. with denver and was the gm yeah now he's the gm i mean he really the, the is the guy
0: threw for 300 touchdown passes in his career that's incredible he won two super bowls mm-hmm. uh lost three yes so
1: that's why i didn't have him as high in my list is because they weren't they were later in his career right so I, i'm basing yeah, this in i, the I especially
0: remember the 49ers beating him 55 to 10 you should 29. see the look on rob's face right now oh he's my. got it's gleeful. he just
1: he just rubbed his hands a little bit got all excited <laughs>
0: oh my goodness it was funny because i'm watching that game and, you know, it was supposed to be a close game, you know, after what they had done to Cleveland mm. and the AFC Championship game. And I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> but but I, I'm I remember watching that game anticipating this close game. But by the by, you know, two thirds of the way through the game I'm like, okay, Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Roger Craig, Brent Jones. Uh, every all these offensive players have all scored touchdowns. Like every offensive weapon scored at least one touchdown, and you know they they had seven touchdowns that game. <laughs> so it was pretty amazing. Which we don't see it's, that. It's you, a nice beating.
1: You don't see that in Super Bowls anymore.
0: You don't see Not, beatdowns like that. They're advantage. a lot closer in the last few recent in years. And boring. Yeah. I, I, oh my gosh, that that one with the Rams. Oh. Oh, my, the Rams and Patriots?
1: I know exactly where I was <gasps> sitting for that, and my wife left about five minutes into the game. She was oh, like, is this the Super Bowl? And it, I said, it, you, can <laughs> you can go. That was
0: awful, <laughs> awful. But, yes, back then, seeing that kind of beat down. Yeah. I, so, as a Browns fan, did that kind of make your heart happy to see him look being completely befuddled on the sideline? Yes. With no answers?
1: <laughs> yes, and I know it would make my father, John Noss, uh, the first uh, part one happy as well because i know he ripped his heart out so so um john elway being that low i get it but it still doesn't make it feel any better right
0: so before we get into the top 10 we have one more and remember this is these are fan votes these are people on the page voting for the people that they remember so fondly um this guy should be choose one two ish Dan Marino. Yes. This guy, he held the NFL career record in touchdowns and yardage for many years. Um, He won a ton of games for the Dolphins, but never won the big one, which is why I think he's remembered down here. If he'd won one or two, I think he he would probably be up higher in people's opinion. Like, they look back now, they see, oh, yeah, he was great in regular season, but in the big game, he couldn't do it. I think Dan
1: Marino, and and you and me talked about this when we kind of compared lists before. Mm-hmm. Dan Marino almost slipped my mind, and it wasn't because. And I told him I was like, he was in Ace Ventura too. I, I, I yeah. love I love that movie. It's, yeah. you know how how does Dan Marino slip my mind? But it was just the game, mm-hmm. the the big game. He did not fit, and that's that's the same for Jim Kelly. We were talking about that. It seems like for only quarterbacks that is.
0: That's the, the benchmark. The measure. He's yeah. a
1: Hall of Famer, nine-time Pro Bowler. He, I mean, his stats rival mm. any other quarterback across any other decade. Yep. He, is, he was a prolific passer. He had a great scramble rate. So, I mean, he was on his feet well. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he, he was able to navigate a pretty uh, heavy defensive decade of the 80s, and yet we almost forget about him playing in that time because he just didn't finish the deal. Right, and that stinks, especially when you are as great as he statistically is. Statistically, he is one of the best. Yep. And but quarterbacks, man, if you don't finish, if you don't win the game, it's nothing.
0: Which is funny because in contrast, when you look at baseball, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. You look at someone like Ken Griffey Jr., who's considered the best player in his era by far. Oh yeah and never won a world series but mm-hmm. they don't that doesn't hold that same merit in baseball as it does football In football you've got to win the championship in order for you to be you know get these accolades and to be remembered the certain way so and,
1: and think about it too I mean, basketball is the same thing i mean how many lebron james mj and i mean i mean objectively michael jordan dominated the finals but mm-hmm. lebron james statistically it, people argue that are all the time because finals don't they, they don't carry the same weight for that a quarterback does to the Super Bowl. So right. it, it, even just winning one catapults you into a completely different sphere. Yep. And that's what's – it's terrible when you put up stats like Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like I said, in a, in an era where defense wins championships, that was the cliche,
0: but it was true. Right. And that's what, that's what hurts about Dan Marino. Yeah. So <laughs> we remember him. He's a great player. Mm -hmm. Um, He just could have won the big one Wow All right, so when we're going to take a brief time out here When we come back, we're going to be talking about Our top ten And Buckle up, here we go Montana Hey, Marino Great game, man A draw play in the second quarter Great choice You make a choice because it feels right Can I buy you one? The least you can do Diet Pepsi, 100% Nutri-Sweet. Uh, here you drop it. 100% taste. See you there. So, next year, I'm buying. Diet Pepsi, the one calorie choice of a new generation. Number 10. So, again, like we mentioned before, These are not the opinions necessarily of management, but of the fans. So, who you deem your 10 most favorite player of the 80s. Number 10 is Jim McMahon. Mad Mac. Yes. He sucked. (laughs) I'm just going to put it out there. You guys are irresponsible with your voting. You have to be careful. This is a responsibility you must take seriously. Yes, like we do.
1: Now, we're going to go back to. He won the
0: Super Bowl twice. Once. No, twice. Yeah. He was on two different teams. Well, he played for the Bears and won the Super Bowl. What other team was he on that won it? Well, now you got it. Now I got to go through and find it. Yeah, because if I I'm looking at his uh, stats here. He didn't win one in San Diego, Philadelphia, Minnesota, Arizona. Uh, he might have been a backup in Green Bay. Back, gets Backed a, up Brett Favre. He gets a it, ring, I guess. It gets a ring,
1: and it's this quarterback thing. I mean, he's he's 195 pounds, so yeah. he's a tiny guy. Yeah. Um, he's a right hand arm in an air right mobile
0: here, not mobile did not have a strong arm no, no and
1: he was drafted first in the first round too in college
0: at Brigham Young he was amazing mm-hmm. he got the NFL oh. and he's playing in Chicago in a very conservative run first mm-hmm. defense i mean if you got Walter Payton what else you know yeah that's the way it's going to be but uh yeah he was um he never had a single season no. with more than 12 touchdowns oh he had 15 one year uh, he never had a three thousand yard season. Uh, he threw a, a decent amount of interceptions, usually as many interceptions as he did touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's remembered the way he is because he was so flashy like Doug Williams won two Super Bowls in the eighties, but nobody remembers him because and, he wasn't flashy and it's funny because the one year you
1: you the one year. If we want to say the one year he won the Super Bowl. You know, he was on two Super Bowls, right, so he gets yeah. two on what well, pro football reference. But the one year he Well, didn't actually...
0: Bernie Kosar get a ring with Dallas? Uh, let's... Okay. God, you have to get into this already. I'm sorry. I... Bernie Kosar is painful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you look at the games that he started the one year, he was 11-0. and Yeah. And that is the only time that he posted anything over 10 wins... Mm-hmm. In a, in in a season he started right. as the quarterback, yep. so he had one year of brilliance and, and you, 15 touchdowns, well, I'm, 11 I'm interceptions.
0: One year of <laughs>
1: one year of good play, and that's 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 a flash in the pan. If yeah. we're comparing him to some people like John Elway and you know these these Jim Kelly, these guys who had
0: sustained excellent careers. He he did go to the Pro Bowl that year, '85. Oh, ooh, we. He did. Was it still in Hawaii? Uh probably. <laughs> well, it was between. I don't know. It might have still been in Miami in those days. It's hard to tell. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm watching um, uh, Johnny B. Good the other day. Uh, the movie. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, it's, I love your brain sometimes. <laughs> thank you. So I'm watching. I'm I'm, I'm watching that. That movie, which, like, you know, I'll get in these moods. Like, I'm in football movie mood right now. Like, I'm watching the series of Friday Night Lights from yeah, beginning to one. end. So, but uh, I'm watching Johnny Be Good the other night, and Jim McMahon is mm-hmm. in that movie, and he plays a flashy quarterback. And another show that I love is The League. Oh, that's and a one, he has And he has a bit part in one of those episodes. He's signing autographs, him and Taco going to mm-hmm. business together. So... You know, he's known for the flash, not for the play, which is how he made our list. So, you know. He's number 10 he's in number your hearts, 10.
1: and that's all that counts, yep.
0: right? Not in mine. <laughs> number, number 9. Number 9 is a guy that had he had a better career in the 70s. By the time the 80s hit, he was on the downside of his career. Uh eighty, eighty one he kind of was okay. Eighty-two, he fell off a little bit. Eighty-three he was almost nothing. Terry Bradshaw, our favorite huckster.
1: Man, you took my opinion. Dang it. Did I? I'm I, sorry. I, no, I was ready to serve it up. I was ready to get excited. Because, first of sorry. all, he played for probably the most disliked team in my heart hmm. in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Um, so he naturally starts off with a negative two there. Yeah. I, I don't find his production in the '80s worthy of this I mean really if we're talking about seventies quarterbacks he is probably near the top if yeah. not the top. Yeah. He won uh what's that three Super Bowls in the in the seventies and uh really recorded quite a prolific passing uh uh yardage
0: mm-hmm. in that time. Right.
1: Eighty eighty one, you're right, he had a couple of uh in,
0: in nineteen eighty through twenty two yeah. T D passes, yeah, twenty nine hundred yards. Very good that they they um, they won the Super Bowl that year. Mm-hmm. No, uh, yeah, they they won it in 1980 after the 1979 70-90. season. Oh, I, I, so, it always is confusing. So, so, I get you. so so the 79 season, 80, 81, not yep. bad. But then 82, you know, he was on his way out, and yeah. then you know 80, he wasn't the starter by 83. Well, that and it was also a short strike shortened yeah. season in 82, and then by 83 he he played in one game. He won that game. So good for him. It's probably against the Browns. Yeah, but... <laughs> I'm sorry, John. I just I just keep jabbing you. You're I such know. a nice guy. I, I just hit you with a right hook and a left cross. It's easy
1: when the team color is also in the name.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> so Terry Bradshaw. Uh, yeah. Uh, more of a seventies guy in my opinion, but you know, you guys vote him number nine, so you, he's
1: number nine. You can have him.
0: Alright. Number eight. Number 8 is your guy. Bernie Kozar. Oh man. Number 19 from the University of Miami. You know,
1: Bernie Kozar is one of those players that for nostalgia's sake when you look back on him, you just you, you smile, you think about the good times, and then when you look at the stat sheet, you're like, "Okay, it was all in my mind." Because Bernie <laughs> Kozar He a, was a winner. He was a winner when it didn't need to win. Like you don't you you go he was a he was a double digit winner as a starter once
0: mhm- in
1: nineteen eighty six and you know he came in with all this promise it was you know the Cleveland teams of the late of the the mid to late eighties were legitimate they had legitimate players they they played in front of a gritty. Uh, Pack Stadium. I mean, th- we're not talking about the modern day Browns. We're talking about a, a real, yeah, football very team. working class,
0: yeah. a blue collar town. And, and he, he fit was, right he into was,
1: that. Yeah, he he did. And especially coming from Miami, you know, there was always that little, you know, would he fit in with that? And
0: yeah. and then, well, he grew up in northeastern Ohio, yeah. so and that's the team he grew up rooting for. So. I I do think people thought kind of saw that Hollywood part mm-hmm. of him, that Hollywood Florida yeah. part of him, yeah, um, and just kind of uh, kind of wondered. But I mean, he he fit he fit perfectly. Uh, he was I mean he in spite of some of those Browns teams, um, I think he had a, a pretty decent career. Uh, I I think like in, in other parts of the country and other fan bases. Uh, he may be a trivia question. He's still beloved yeah. in Cleveland. Oh yeah, as, as, mm-hmm. as much of a drunken lush as he is, mm-hmm. and, and some of the things you hear about him now. Um, yeah, I I'm not a Browns fan, but I I like Bernie Kosar. Always have. I mean, he he threw for three thousand yards four different times,
1: and and his completion I mean,
0: percentages are some of the better.
1: Uh, he was connecting with yeah. his with his targets, and. Um, he was throwing touchdowns. I mean, he had 22 touchdowns in 1987. I mean, like, he he was and he had the talent to, I think, take them all the way, whether you call it the Cleveland curse, whether you actually believe if he had enough talent on yeah. both sides of the ball. that you And your best wide receiver
0: yeah. is Webster Slaughter. <sighs> I love that name. Uh, yeah. It's but. just he wasn't surrounded with, like, a, a lot of the, the, the big weapons. He didn't have a... Jerry Rice or Mark Dupler or, or Mark Clayton or any of these guys that like Dan Marino had I mean, he didn't have Rice but but it know, is it is so it.
1: vintage Cleveland that their head coach during that time was Bill Belichick <laughs> and Nick Saban was an assistant coach
0: yeah. That's so Cleveland. Like, I mean, look. How, at, how did you get these two guys on is, your staff and be I mean, six and three, nine six and one,
1: three and ten? How Cleveland is that? I mean, that town <laughs> loves. If the Browns won the Super Bowl, they wouldn't work for a week and a half. I mean, there would just yeah, a week and a half. I, it they might would take the rest month. of the year off. I, it, that town, and when, I know my when family. The, when the Cavs won a few years ago. Oh, oh man. my god! I mean, that was the end of the drought. Yeah. I, if if but the Browns, man, the Browns are in the fabric of Cleveland. Yes. And if they won, I mean, there would be no party like it. Right. And you just think about the talent, and you think about uh, there's a couple guys on this list that we'll talk about further up. They had it. They just never could put it together. And Bernie Kosar, like I said, I look back on it and look at the stats, I'm like, he, maybe I'm thinking too fondly of him. You're right. He had some good years. That might just be what was around him. Yeah, I, I'm 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 with you on that.
0: Yeah, and, and I'll go on record to say this: if Uh-oh. if my 49ers can't win the Super Bowl, I would. And Cleveland is in contention. I, I'm pulling for them. Like I want to. Like as a city, I've always liked the city of Cleveland. No mm-hmm. problems with them. If the Indians, if the Cavs, if the the Browns are making a push, I'm like, yeah, all right, I can get behind them for. You know, for this season, you know, kind of root them on, cheer them on. Um, so if if my Niners are ever out of it and Cleveland's in it, uh, you know, I won't you know, buy Brown's gear, but you know, I'll pull for him. So, there I we appreciate go. Appreciate that. Hey, any he, stick, stick with it. <laughs> I'm with you. So yeah, Bernie Kosar, uh, we like him. Um, just you know, we, we wish he had had that Super Bowl ring to to hang on his legacy there, but uh, fair. You never know.
1: Number Number
0: seven. So, number seven. Y'all did it now. I'm not going to say that I'm mad at you, (laughs) but I am extremely disappointed. Uh, I had such high hopes and expectations for you, and... How in the world is jerry rice number seven it's a It's a travesty. this guy is the greatest wide receiver of all time, not just now but in the future. Nobody is going to come close to hitting the records that that he that he has got over the course of his career I'm with you. I was shocked, chagrined, and disappointed
1: right along with you mm-hmm. Jerry Rice sticks out to me as when you talk about football, when you talk about monolithic names, names that go. We talk about the Mount Rushmore of NFL players. Yes, Jerry Rice is on there. Yes, in that in the wide receiver category. I mean, it is such a drop off in the '80s and such a drop off in general. Yep. I mean, he three time Super Bowl. Thirteen-time Pro Bowler, he was the Offensive Player of the Year. What's that? Twice. I mean, he was dominant, and it was when he got space. Like if you watch video of him when he got space, there's a couple players that we'll talk about further up. When they got into open field, mm-hmm. I, there was no stopping him. Right. And Jerry Rice was that. I mean, his nickname was World of uh, what Was It World of uh, uh, Flash eighty? Yeah. I mean, it was just. He was gone. Yep. And he was quick. Uh, 200 pounds. I don't know how he's running that fast. He <laughs> did 200 <laughs> pounds, 6'2". Two. But, I mean, the, the, the wide receiver position as we know it today was really crafted by Jerry Rice. Yeah. And there's no... I don't even think there's a, a contest. When we think about wide receivers pre this generation... We think about a different scheme. We mm-hmm. think about a different... Uh, they were used almost as... Um, I call it distraction weapons. I'm not sure if I'm using that right. But really, they were they were used to pull the running game in the direction you wanted the quarterback. Right. So they weren't targets. They were yeah. sometimes passing targets. Right. But they weren't
0: a skilled player like Jerry Rice was. Right. Now, you could see kind of the evolution of the wide receiver because before Jerry Rice came along, like Lance Al- Alworth... Uh, he held most of the the records Jerry Rice ended up breaking, and he mm-hmm. he played in the in the '60s, early '70s for the Chargers. He was he was the standard bearer prior to Jerry Rice, but you started seeing an evolution in in the wide receiver position, probably starting with Lance Allworth, yeah. and going to like um, Lynn Swan. John Stallworth, Drew Pearson, Tony Hill, these Cowboys receivers, Ahmad Rashad. Like mm -hmm. you start seeing these guys and the offense is starting to change. And then when Bill Walsh comes to San Francisco and stalls a West Coast offense, not only Jerry Rice, but every guy on the team is getting the ball and getting yards. I mean, Jerry Rice's um, 1986 season. Uh, 1,500 yards. Quarterbacks in the NFL back then were not throwing with their four receivers that, that kind of, of yards. He has 207 career touchdowns. That's insane. That's, uh, 197 were rushing to, or yeah. uh, receiving. 10 were rushing. 22,895 receiving yards. 645 rushing yards. You don't think about that. They did a lot of in reverses mm-hmm. and crazy stuff. So he is the GOAT. Yes. Like you know, there there was some debate a few years ago, was, was you know Tom Brady or Joe Montana the greatest of all time? Well, you know, with all the Super Bowl rings and now statistically, it, it's kind of it, it's it's more you know accepted that you can call Tom Brady the goat and and people go, eh, it kind of is yeah, yeah. There's not a lot, but with Jerry Rice, the closest maybe Randy Moss. And he's yeah. not even close. I don't even think... Like, I think if... I would have to look up his numbers, but
1: I don't think he approached... That 22,000 yards is a insane number. Oh, yeah. And, absolutely. And if you think about it, too, um, when you think about the evolution of the NFL in general, mm-hmm. the West Coast offense, you brought that up, um, the... The offenses in college were at a different... And this, when I was talking to you about kind of my history with the sport, the, mm-hmm. the NFL, for a long time, was dragging behind mm-hmm. in terms of just the offensive schemes. Like, the college was where these, these coaches would, you know, spend a lot of time on these kind of wacky skate The Wildcat was going on in there. You know, yeah. these weird these weird things. And that West Coast offense, that... um, There's different names for it, but that was... The NFL was still in like grind, grind the ball, grind yeah. the ball, grind it out, run three it three yards out. in a cloud of yeah. dust. They were playing Woody basically Hayes football. Yes, they were playing rugby <laughs> yes. essentially. They yeah. were just they were, and that having a target like Jerry Rice, who mm-hmm. could move the ball with his feet, had the hands
0: that were basically glue. Yeah, and what well, he did, you stick them. Yeah, yeah. But, well, but but you know what? Other guys were using. Other guys. Too. So I was going to say the stickums all. I remember over seeing Fred Bulitnikov play with the Raiders back in the seventies, and is like, <laughs> he's a white guy, and his hands has got like glue dripping off of them. Oh okay. man, the they TV was
1: too grainy to pick it up That's back right. then. Now, but, now on your HD TV, but, you can see everything. But here's
0: the thing, though: you got the stickum, but then you got these modern NFL yeah. gloves that are basically yeah. the same thing, like you can catch things that the bare hand can't catch. So, in contrast, like let's take a look at the active players that are as close to getting Jerry Rice's records. The guy that's the closest is Larry Fitzgerald. He's got 120 touchdowns. He has 77 more receiving touchdowns to go to catch Jerry Rice. He has 17,083 oh, receiving not, yards. not even close. He's, he, he needs 5,000 yards. He's been playing since 2004. He does not have 5,000 <laughs> yards left in him. Now, he may have a, a good year or two left. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like he has got the fountain of youth a little bit. I mean, he had 804 um, uh, receiving yards last year, but he only had four touchdowns. He's only had a handful of two-digit touchdown years. So not to knock Larry Fitzgerald, he's one of my favorite like non-49er mm-hmm. players, class guy on and off the field. But um, you know, Jerry he's the man. No one's going to come close.
1: And to give you even more perspective, cuz while you were saying that about the longevity, I mean, uh Jerry Rice played till he was 42 years old. Mhm. The same year that Larry Fitzgerald started 2004 was yep. the his last year. Yep. The bulk of those yardage, he only had three seasons with over 1,000 yards after 1996. So mm-hmm. everything else, all these monster numbers we're talking about were from when he was age 34 and younger. Yes. So basically take out the last eight years of his career. And yep. the whole before, I mean, that is just an incredible, I mean, uh, he he must have been targeted every other play. And And when you look at the tape, it basically feels that way. Well I, just, I mean,
0: if well, think about it. if you if you look at those teams he was on, like either had Roger Craig or like Ricky Waters playing running back. Those guys mm-hmm. were getting you know, thousand yard years. Yeah. Like Roger Craig would would get uh, his numbers were insane. Um, same thing with Ricky Waters, same thing with John Taylor. So like these guys all had great statistical yeah. years, but Jerry Rice was there the whole time after Craig had retired. After Ricky Waters had come and gone to Philly, like, um, John Taylor had come, came and went, Terrell Owens came and went. Like, Jerry Rice was always the man. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we could talk all day long about how awesome Jerry Rice is, but we don't have all day long. So He's number seven. Number seven. Under protest. Number six. Number six, I, I think he is on here because people remember him as being an awesome player. Mm-hmm. Um Barry Sanders is who we're talking about. Uh he actually only played 1 year in the 80s, which is 1989, but he had 1400 yards, 14 rushing touchdowns. Uh he was phenomenal. I remember watching him play at Oklahoma State and just like this the guy's a human highlight reel. He yeah. does things with a football that I have never seen before.
1: And I think it's funny, when you look at 80s, the running back position, mm-hmm. it's a little thin sometimes. You can find yeah. some some standouts, but I think he stands out in terms of his evolution of that position. Right. And I think also, too, growing up in Detroit, towards the end of uh, the Barry era, they call it, mm-hmm. he he still really liked in Detroit, um, yeah. he, but... We loved or hated. Yeah, the way it ended is different than Bernie and uh, Bernie Kosar in Cleveland, but he. I told you before. I watched hours of Barry Sanders highlights, and he doesn't even look like he's playing the same game. He doesn't
0: sometime. look like he's he's running on the field. He looks it, like he's like an inch or so above the field. He does things to break ankles and and all those things you hear about. You don't,
1: guys, don't do that. And and. What's troubling is, and this is, uh, I could get into a, a whole uh, Detroit Lions hour. <laughs> Detroit has this weird thing where they will have these generational talents:
0: mm-hmm.
1: Barry Sanders, Megatron. Yes, I mean these these titans who, who are statistic. Matthew Stafford statistically is a outstanding quarterback oh, yeah. who sits at Ford Field in Detroit. And meanders along and hasn't won a playoff game his entire time there.
0: They haven't won a playoff game. But he's great to have on your fantasy team.
1: Yeah, and it's <laughs> but it's this Detroit thing that it, it they always just languish there and they never leave. Megatron, Barry Sanders, Matthew yeah. Steph, they they don't go anywhere. They right. retire. They're like, I'm done with this. I, I did yeah. ten years in, in a lions uniform, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. And and Barry Sanders the same way. He ran for his second to last season. He rushed I I mean it, these incredible stats and, and he had what it over 2000
0: yards. Yep. 2053 yards his last season. And that and was his
1: that was his ca- career high.
0: Oh yeah. He in went which, out on top. Yeah, like <laughs> like he played during the 90s. Yeah. He was like th- the guy in the 90s. And we we were talking about running backs not not being like outstanding. What would happen is, is like a running back or two would would be good on a team for a couple years and kind of fade away. A couple more years on another team. You know, it's just like there wasn't the consistency like you're getting now with like Ezekiel Elliott, yep. Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. uh, Christian McCaffrey. These kind of guys, they are, these are just, we're in a rare time of great running back talent right now. But looking at Barry Sanders, to me, he is the best running back of all time. I don't he, think he you is, can argue he that. He is not the NFL's all time leading rusher, that's Emmett Smith. But I think Barry was better. In fact, I seen Emmett Smith on an interview not too long ago and he he called Barry Sanders the best ever. It's which I mean, this is the all time leading yeah, rusher, Sam, this guy's better than me. It's and again, he I associate Barry Sanders
1: with the nineties. Me too. In terms of his era. Right. And by that point the defensive stance of the 80s was waning. Mm-hmm. Um the offensive just push into the 90s was happening. You were seeing the big the quarterback I call it the quarterback renaissance but like I said the Dan Marino's the the, the big name quarterbacks who yep. had the power arms and the the mobile quarterbacks were starting to become more of a thing. That opened up that running game a little bit differently, like you're right, they would they would be there for a couple seasons and then they would drop off. Yep. And that Barry was a beneficiary of that change in the offensive, uh, I guess, I don't say scheme, but just a really the way the offense is kind of uh, uh, set up. Right. And like I said, he's a good pick. Mm-hmm. You know, he just he falls into one year of the 80s. This is statistically good year in the 80s, yep. but... Um, like I said, watching him he, he was there, he made the Pro Bowl The second year I lived in, in Detroit And then faxed in his retirement in 1998 That's, yes. That is one of the all-time great um, uh, Take it to the man stories Let's yeah. put it that way the, uh, I'm out
0: I was stunned yeah. when that happened Because, yeah. I mean, again I was a couple of years into fantasy football at this time And Barry Sanders was always like The first or second guy picked yeah. So, Well, John, we've run out of time People are like, what? You only you only got to number six. There, there's five more. Yep, you're going to have to tune in next week for the, for the top five. Sorry to do it to you, but uh, we've got so much more we, we're going to talk about on this subject. Uh, so next week, uh, me and John will be back here. We're going to hit up the top five. And... Um, and that's what we'll do So, see you next week <laughs> yeah so uh, we're going to close out with Judas Priest from the movie Johnny Be Good so this is Rob and this is John we'll see you next week